1: Good morning and hello, Kits and Cubs, and welcome to Season 3 and Episode Number 200. Dos zero zero of the Daily Beaver Morning Show here on the Cryer Media Network. Yeah! Today, free recording day, is Friday, September 1st, 2023. And apparently I got that wrong on actual Friday show. <laughs> so yeah, did, I didn't even notice. So, Friday, September 1st, 2023. For broadcast on Monday, September, I'm going to guess 4th, yes?
2: Oh no, it's, it's Monday right now, it's Monday right now, it's a live show. Yes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we're time traveling again, kids, time and uh, according to the Weather Network, in a couple of days from now, it's going to be a beautiful fall day with uh, temperatures that feel like 33 in September. That's
2: summer, yeah. that's summer. summer fall done. doesn't begin until the 21st, I it's know still that, summer. For, for
1: me, fall is September. It just, I, I, I know, know, I know. I, I, I'm just not going back to school with, uh, I, I, I'm 50 and I still miss it. I still miss going shopping for the Trapper Keepers and all that kind of stuff before we get to go in the cool fall fashions. And ah, uh, mm. uh, I'm your host, the eager beaver pronouns, he, him, he, Mr. Beaver A, and with me as always is my dear friend, Mr. Grizzly. And of course, a big thank you goes to our podcast founding sponsors, the Pepper Master, the Misfy Mysteries from Corvid Moon Publishing, and canadiantarot.com. We have a Monday morning nibble for you. And uh, this is a special because it's not just our morning show, but it will be episode number 33 of uh, the day, the Eager Beaver interview project. And uh, before we continue with that, we'll ask Mr. Grizzly. How is mental health will be doing on Monday, and allow him to introduce our guest today.
2: Well, I, I, I have every reason to believe that come Monday morning, when this airs, I should be in good spirits because I have uh, I'll have been out in the countryside at my sister's place for the last few days, uh, doing a, a wine tour on Saturday, doing a vineyard tour Prince Edward County. So, nice. yeah, I think I'll be uh, in very wonderful spirits come Monday, guaranteed. Good.
1: I think I will be too, uh, only because uh, my beaver sweetie is uh, going to spend some time with family for Labor Day. And uh, it's very rare that I get a couple of days alone. And considering that the summer has been very busy and I'm a little peopled out, I think I will like having a few days to myself. Of course, the following weekend, the family comes here and then we have to entertain. So <laughs> mm-hmm. so, but uh, a couple of days to myself where I'll be able to watch all the U.S. Open tennis I want without any interruption. It's like Christmas. All right, (laughs) Mr. Grizzly, um, we have a very, very, very special guest. Uh, You're the one who brought our our guest to the Beaver Lodge, so uh, please, please uh, provide an introduction.
2: Well, I will in a sec. Um, We seem to have lost connection with her at this this exact moment in time. She was there a few minutes ago, and then her connection seemed to have dropped. She is in the UK right now on the edge of a soccer pitch, or a football pitch, actually, in the UK. They don't Say soccer, although they do have a program on Channel 4 called Soccer Saturday. So go figure. Hmm. Anyway, (laughs) yeah, that's literally the name of the program. If you ever watch Ted Lasso and you see them on Soccer Saturday, those are the real hosts of the real show called Soccer Saturday. Anyway, yeah, she's in the UK right now with her son, who is in a match as we speak. Um, She lives in Yellowknife, though, lives and works in Yellowknife as a consultant there. And we're going to bring her on to talk stuff and life and what, uh, what it was like to be, you know, emergency evacuated, if you will, although she was, you know, this trip was planned in advance, but had to, uh, leave a little bit earlier than planned mm. due to the wildfires. So, you know, I, I try and get that in insight from somebody who was in that situation because I've never had to deal with yeah. that. And yeah. I don't know. Have you? No. no. You do you know anybody who's ever had to do that? I, a wildfire? No. You know, I don't think so. I don't think I know anybody who's had to evacuate
1: actually for anything.
2: Well, I I know a couple people now. like I said, my colleague in in uh, Halifax, just outside Halifax, his house is gone, burnt to the ground. Um, you know, uh, so that that hits pretty close to home. And this is um, my beloved's dear friend, who was you know in in a, in a somewhat similar situation. Although I don't I don't know. Uh, Hopefully, she can come back. I'll send her a text message and see uh, if we can get her back here. Stuff happens. What can you say? Technology's great when it works. And it was working for a few seconds, and then uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, she, let's see. I'll send her a text message here. Uh, we're ready. <laughs> <laughs> the
1: call was dropped. Damn you, Trudeau.
2: Yeah, it's always his fault. It's right? always for his everything. Fault. You gotta blame him for it. Uh, with James. There we is. can blame him.
1: I still can't believe that looks like James, That's James in the photo. Well, well, he looks like a, my friend Mike. There
2: actually. That's that's quite a few years ago. Yeah. That's that's over. That's gotta be twenty years ago. Oh, that, at that, least That's
1: at least ten haircuts ago for Justin.
2: Yeah. Well, Justin has like the mustache and and the, and the soul patch along with James with the soul patch, and uh, that's. That's pre before he was in politics, I would say.
1: Possibly, yeah. Or
2: or or when he just was getting into politics, maybe. Possibly, yeah. You know. Yeah. yeah. That's quite a while ago, that photo. Okay, so no, no, we're still waiting. I don't know what happened there. Hopefully, um, hopefully we we'll, we can get Roxanne back. Uh, I'll All just right. let her know to reclick the link. Reclick. Yeah. Link to join. <laughs> I can't spell. <laughs> oh,
1: man. Uh,
2: boom. There we go. Okay. Okay, so hopefully she can join back in a second or two. Um, this is just, you know, how technology goes. And again, she is across the pond. It's seven hours ahead there. So it's like 9 p.m., I believe. It's not dark yet there yet, but uh, you got to remember the U.K. is quite a bit further north than we are. So yes. the sun does set considerably later there, even in September. And right. takes a long time to rise <laughs> in the winter there. Because again, if you look at the globe, they're really far north compared to us.
1: Yeah, they are. They are. Um, while we're waiting, uh, mm-hmm. I have a couple of tidbits that I can okay. uh, throw in, and uh, hopefully we'll get uh, Roxanne back in time. Um, right now, uh, the Canadian men, The first rule of passive-aggressive club is you never know it. Never mind. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. Um, uh, Currently, uh, the Canadian men's basketball team is trying to qualify for the Olympics at uh, the World Cup of Basketball. There's plenty of nations that are trying to earn a spot. Uh, South Sudan is making some history Mm. uh, being included among uh, those teams. Uh, The Canadians did very well in uh, the first round of pool play, winning all three matches. And now they're in the second round of pool play, where the first and second place team in their pool meet the first and second place team of another pool to create a new pool. Um, They play two matches against the teams they haven't played before, and then the advance from there. Uh, Today, Canada was playing against Brazil, and they lost narrowly. Mm. like very narrowly by less than like four points or something like that, which means that their match against Spain is a must win because absolutely everybody in the division, that pool has seven points after four matches. Mm. Uh, So it's a must win against Spain. Canada technically right now is in first because they have the most uh, points scored. Um, But uh, Spain defeated Brazil. In their match and Canada just lost to Brazil barely. Um, so all of a sudden, uh, a team that was touted by Sports Illustrated as maybe having the potential to win the whole World Cup mm-hmm. of Basketball may be out and so could go the Olympic qualification with it. That's a bit of a shocker, yeah. Just from having lost one match,
2: yeah, yeah. That's well, that's the way those, those tournaments are, are, are super. Each each match is like be, live or die race. Basically, it's you know, almost so almost because I know they were expected to place very high because they do have a lot of NBA players on yeah. that team. Because Team Canada, you know, we what's that one school north of Toronto since the Raptors were formed that has been funneling kids straight into the NBA. Not even some of them going straight into the NBA. Not even going to college first. I'm like, whoa. But uh, a lot of them are just going on to, to, to University College Ball first, NC two A, and then and then the NBA because the NBA is not too keen anymore on taking kids right out of high school.
1: Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, Team Canada played a small tournament called the DBB tournament before it, just four nations, and they won that, defeating Germany with ten seconds left uh, in the final match, um, in order to get it but uh, we'll see what's going on. But yeah, that match against Spain is a must win on another uh, uh, in another sport. uh, The Canadian women's rugby rugby sevens team is going to the next summer's Olympics in Mm -hmm. Paris. They qualified uh, by trouncing Mexico 53 to zero in a final to win an Olympic qualifying tournament that was held in Langford, BC. Wow. The men fell to the United States 24, 14 in their final. So they will have to win a ricochage tournament later this year to qualify for Paris. But the women, well, they're in. So we'll have uh, some people to cheer for, which is a uh, very, very nice over there. Um, let's see. What else have we got for you here while we're waiting? Um, there's a, uh, we're talk, we've been talking a lot about the uh the forest fires and stuff and there's a lot of bad news but there's one tiny bit of good news that has come um there is a fire chief who had moved from the netherlands to canada 18 years ago mm-hmm. he's been a firefighter since 2008 when he became a canadian citizen and he has become an sorry uh he's had his citizenship since he be, not became a canadian citizen became a canadian resident uh he just had his citizenship ceremony held but he couldn't go to it because he was fighting the fires so they held the ceremony by zoom for him and all his crew was with him behind him while it happened and uh so it was a nice event and uh Tere Kadad from peace by chocolate heard mm. about the story and made sure to uh Give him a nice, warm welcome online. So, one Canadian of whom we're proud welcoming another Canadian of whom we're proud.
2: So, ah, that's cool.
1: welcome Very to Canada, cool. sir. Hell yeah. All right, it seems that we have our guests.
2: Yes, yeah, so I'm going to try our and guests. bring Roxanne in. Uh, let me see. We'll bring her in. I don't know. Can you hear us, Roxanne? There we go. Okay, camera's off, but that's fine. You're 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 on a soccer pitch in, in England somewhere. Where now? You told me where it was. What was it? Key? Where, where is it Keyworth. Keyworth,
0: not quite to, sure where that to, is. It's close to Nottingham.
2: Oh, okay, okay, okay. So yeah, because the, the sun hasn't set there yet, eh?
0: It has not. No, it's, yeah. uh, it's seven seven twenty.
2: Oh, okay. I thought it was okay. a little bit later than that, but yeah, no, yes, because and the sun sets quite a bit later because it's a lot further north than, than we are here in Ottawa. Of course, you're you're used to late sunsets in the uh, summertime.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. You
2: you you live in Yellowknife. I do, yep. It's a beautiful what, city. What, I, I've not been there yet, and I really want. I do want to come and visit. It's just it's cheaper for me to fly to England than it is to ch- fly within my own country, which is the most bizarre thing. Um, tell me something though. What uh, when when they were evacuating the city of Yellowknife? What because uh, I know you, so. Bridget told me you had this this trip to the UK was planned in advance, but you had to just suddenly pick up everything and get out of town as quickly as possible. What, how insane was that?
0: Actually, uh, we, I actually ended up staying to volunteer. So, mm. but we had, we prepared as if we were leaving, uh, we were prepared to leave. And then, uh, we found out that there were some, there's a group of contractors in town that had come together to build additional, uh, defenses like fire breaks and water lines, on the Mm -hmm. western uh, side of the city and uh, they needed some additional help um, not just with the equipment and the the operators but uh, with you know just some office support you know coordination logistics getting food for the crews and and that kind of stuff so um, yeah so my family and I decided to stay we were all packed up and ready to go Um, it was it was quite crazy yeah we delivered various our house is in a slightly more vulnerable area. So we packed up all the important things and we brought them to different Mm -hmm. friends' homes across the city as people were preparing to leave. And then we had started packing up our own vehicle and we're going to be leaving. But, uh, yeah, anyway, when that, we had, we, we were looking to see if there was anything we could do to be useful. We would have preferred, we preferred to stay. So that's what we did. So I did that for eight or nine days. And then Um, I took one, they have one daily evacuation flight out of the city for people who are uh, essential workers or, or -hmm. volunteers. So I left and my family's still there. Actually, they've been doing brush clearing and um, odd jobs and manual labor and stuff like that.
2: That's gotta be that's gotta be tough work. I can't even begin to imagine what it's like to be honest with you. And I I worked construction for twenty nine years. But <laughs> that's not the same as working in a wildfire zone.
0: Yeah, I, and, I just and, to be I you know, I, I don't wanna make it sound too heroic. Like the the weather actually in Yellowknife, we were quite lucky most days uh in the fires. Mm-hmm. When I left, we're still the the worst fire was about fifteen kilometers away. They were concerned that it was going to move much faster, and then well, just yeah. by luck, basically, um, we got a bit of a reprieve. So,
2: well, thank goodness for that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, sorry, uh,
1: when you. Since you've been there and since you still have family that's there, and since communications are down, have you been able to be in contact with uh, your family members uh, that have stayed to know how they're doing?
0: Oh yes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, okay. I think last I checked the fiber line was still good, but we also have a Starlink at our house. So we're quite well okay. set up. So we actually would have been fine regardless. Um, okay. Yeah, no. So that's been good. And, Yeah, and and, you know, the support services in town, while they were quite scaled down, um, there were enough um, people who either volunteered to stay, a couple of the business owners volunteered uh, and were able to keep their businesses open at a very kind of very, very basic level. So yeah, so I think people were still quite well looked after, they just worked hard.
2: Well, and they they evacuated about, what, 98% of the population of, of the Northwest Territories?
0: Uh, pro- Yellow sure. uh, North- Yellowknife, for sure. Yeah, the Northwest Territories is actually 33 communities. It's quite, um, most people probably don't know that, but there are actually 33 communities spread over a quite a significant landmass. So, mm-hmm. um, we have currently four communities that are evacuated, but one of them being Yellowknife, which is the capital, obviously, and right. Hay River, which would be one of the- Hay River and Fort Smith are also evacuated and they're among the larger mm-hmm. communities. So it is quite, I think. But I want to say, I think it might be 66% of the population okay. is, is evacuated. Something like that. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I think yeah. that's it.
1: Yeah. The last firm number I heard was 68. Oh, there and, you go. Yeah, but, okay. after that, I, but, I, but after that, I haven't heard anything. That was about five or six days ago. But,
0: but certainly those communities, you're right, Paul, like the communities that were evacuated, there's essentially nobody left in Mota. Nobody there. Yeah.
2: Because yeah. there's, what, 45,000 people in, in uh, Northwest Territories? There and are. I believe... Yeah. About 21,000 are in Yellowknife alone?
0: Yeah, that's right. We're the, for sure, the capital has a very significant part of the population. And we have some communities that are, you know, 50 or 60 people, right? Like they're quite, small, mm-hmm. and everything in between. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And spread out on over a very large area. Yeah. My and, goodness.
0: Yeah. And the vast majority of them are not connected by road, right? So we have some mm-hmm. uh, that are fly in, fly out, some are ice road only, and some have some all-weather roads of various sorts.
2: Hmm. And, and it's interesting you mentioned that you that you use Starlink because uh, I'll be using it this weekend at my sister's place because she's out in the countryside. And I have to admit, I was skeptical the first time I heard about the, the idea behind it. And yet, it works incredibly well.
0: It really does. Yeah. And we, it's been a, we, yeah, I, I won't tell you how complicated our, our internet services where i live we live a little bit out of the city center if you live in mm-hmm. Yellowknife proper you know people have northwest tell cable mm-hmm. so it's pretty good but anyone outside of that range uh you have to make your own arrangements anyway so yes starlink has been uh, it didn't work ideally at first because we're so high north that it wasn't mm-hmm. kind of it would have some uh, gaps but it's the mm-hmm. uh, it's gotten better and better so it's pretty good now
2: yeah, they, they continue to deploy more and more yep. satellites for that. They're, they're very small satellites, but they cover, you know, planet Earth for the most part. Yeah. Uh, and, and and the far north in, in North America and Canada, of course, uh, and, and throughout uh, Europe as well. It's, you, you know, you get up to Iceland and Greenland and those areas. It's, you, you really got to, you got to deploy a lot of satellites to cover that space. Yeah, right? so, and
0: it's the angle becomes an issue because, because mm-hmm. of the, yeah, kind of the until they get full coverage the satellite the line of sight becomes an issue because it, at mm-hmm. some point the sat what it does as a starlink the whole thing moves around so it's like this mm-hmm. little dish and it moves around but occasionally it just can't get a good enough angle to get the satellites but it's right. it's getting better every day so
2: well and it sure beats dial up right
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> remember that
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. oh i don't miss those days at all Either so do I. I, I don't, I don't like working.
1: the connection sound
0: <laughs>
2: I don't no, miss the no, connection sound because it
1: sounds like a yeah. cat was being skinned alive every time. just,
2: why are you doing that? <laughs> so, so your work in Yellowknife can can you how much? I don't know how much of that you can discuss. You, I know you work as a consultant, but how, what can you tell us about what you do? Because I know a lot of it is sort of uh, privacy is is of utmost concern. Correct me if I'm wrong
0: no that's a good point i mean i wouldn't certainly you know name names or anything but no i mean i can certainly tell you what i do i mean i'm pretty i'm feel i'm quite lucky for the work i get to do Um, so i most of what i do is help um, government departments and various other like not-for-profit organizations and some some indigenous governments do basically group like facilitated planning and decision-making processes is a lot of what i do so a lot of strategic planning some operational planning but Trying to um, trying to help groups do work that they have the knowledge to do, but maybe not the some of the processes or the formats or the just the the, the pathway, right? So I do mm-hmm. a lot of trying to help people do better together, get some focus, get some yeah. And I do a lot of strategic planning, so I'm starting to have a pretty solid solid process to help people do that and then then I do a lot of uh, public engagement planning and execution I do a lot of facilitating like large group discussions things like that yeah and then you know in between that I do like smaller pieces of work that might be more communications related more public communications but most of what I do is engagement or planning. Yeah. Sure. So
2: you would see firsthand uh, um, issues that affect uh, people in that part of the country that the rest of us never see. Yep. Uh, which I think is a failure of our mainstream media, but that's just my personal opinion. But the, you, you see things that the rest of us just don't see, which I think is uh, wrong because we're all, you know, living in the same country. We should all have the same coverage, if you ask me. That's my personal feeling. But of course, the center of the universe that is Toronto doesn't see outside of the the 416 most of the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I
0: mean, yeah, it's interesting you say that. So I don't, I mean, it's hard for me to remember that I've been living there 21 years now. Um, Mm. but you're right. I mean, I don't know if many people, people probably have a fairly, uh, maybe caricaturized view of what it might be like to live in the Northwest Territories. I mean, I would say a lot of the issues are similar, um, but we, like in the Northwest Territories, for example, we have a sig- obviously a significant Indigenous population um, and, and a lot of Indigenous governments that are really kind of taking up uh, or taking back, I suppose, governance over a lot of things that maybe previously had not been within their control, so starting with land. Obviously, we have some pretty significant land claims that have been settled, or oh, yes. being settled, but over time, mm-hmm. more and more self-government as well. So mm-hmm. so we have um, so that's a creates a really fascinating dynamic. It's not always easy, I would say um, there's a lot of tension between um, various levels of government because we still have municipal government. We have indigenous governments and we still have a territorial government, mm-hmm. which many indigenous governments feel that they should be just replacing. And so that's, that's complex because anyway, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, factors and considerations in terms of whether that would actually work and how that might work. And all the indigenous governments are at different levels of kind of negotiating these new governance arrangements. So, but, but by and large, I think that's a, that's probably the single biggest political dynamic um, for sure. And then obviously, I mean, The cost of living here is uh, is significant and the isolation is adds to that, but also creates all kinds of challenges. I mean, as you might imagine, when you live in a community, it's flying in, fly out and someone Mm -hmm. needs any kind of medical attention that's not available by the local nurse. Um, You know, that kind of stuff, we have a circuit court that flies so you if you're being charged with something, you wait until court flies into your community, right? So it's, yeah. And and I mean, it's not, it's not nothing to fly to 33 communities, um, fly and drive to 33 communities to offer services. So there's a cost to that. There's a logistical complexity that is Mm -hmm. really quite astounding to me that it even happens <laughs> so well yeah, yeah. And, and
2: let's not forget how the weather can play a major mm-hmm. factor uh oftentimes especially in the winter you know when when a storm comes in everybody's grounded
0: yep oh yeah and i mean that's a really good point um you you basically are in situations where you've planned and planned and planned and made reservations and have translators lined up and et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera and then something happens and it's all over you know so it can be quite quite significant. And if someone dies in a small community, everything gets called off as well, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So when you're in a community of a hundred people and one of your elders dies, nothing happens for the next week.
2: <laughs> oh and, and understandable yeah. too, right? Yeah. Because it that you're talking a super close knit community. Yeah, My well it's like someone dying yeah.
0: in your family, right? So yes. of course you wouldn't oh, work yeah. that day, right? So um right. yeah. Yeah. So it's quite uh so it creates a lot of I think just having the same kind of problems as many communities or opportunities as well, I suppose, but then adding the layer of just the, just how hard it is to get certain things done and the level of collaboration required between established and emerging governments and, and, you know, just the regular social issues that are, you know, maybe everywhere in Canada, but here there, some of them are, you know, we have, um, a huge problem with STIs, for example. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. 17 times yeah. the national average for some diseases. What?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Quite. I had no idea.
0: Yeah. Um, teen pregnancy, um, you know, homelessness, you know, these are all things that every community deals with. But when you live in a, a small place with limited resources, it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you just, it plays out a bit differently, I would say. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, and, and I guess, sorry, I was just going to say that the, the absolute uh, cost of absolutely everything, yeah, from from food to clothing to to uh, well, drinking water, yep, uh, is astronomically high. Yeah, in compared in comparison to what we're used to here in in you know in in Canada's capital here in Ottawa, which is not cheap. But uh, I I. The the money I earn, I would not be able to survive in yellow
0: life. No, and that's mm-hmm. the thing, right? But I mean salaries used to be significantly higher than the, the national average. But national I would average, say the yeah. gap has narrowed a bit, which makes it that much harder. Yeah. Doug, oh, yeah. you were gonna say something yeah. and I'm sorry I cut you off, I think.
1: No, 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 no. Um, I, I'm not surprised by the STI thing because back in the days when I was working for the federal government, one of my files was uh, capacity building for HIV and AIDS, mm. and uh, that's how I ended up uh, going to Yellowknife uh, for the first time. Right. Uh, we went to visit a uh, uh, couple of the reserves and uh, the the detention center that was there, and uh, what and see what programs they had uh, at both ends of the spectrum. Mm. Um, I was wondering for your Your consultancy work um, is without again, you know, giving away too much. Is uh, some of the work that you are doing helping indigenous communities with capacity building as they are taking on more powers, as powers are being devolved, or is it more, uh, or as well, maybe if not, it may not be one or the other, um, helping sort of like traditional territorial sort of government that has more, a little bit more our flavor than, and I, I know it's by consensus, so it's a different model, but helping them interact with the various communities or like, is it more outreach or is it capacity building or a combination of both?
0: Yeah, that's a good, yeah. So I would say previously, cause I I've had, I also worked as a consultant in a small firm before that and I worked in government. So I, in those different kind of times I worked quite a bit with some of the Indigenous governments and in particular Delaney, which is uh, the first standalone yep. community-based self-government in the Northwest Territories or in Canada, I think. Um, yep. And so I did a lot of work with them when they were actually going through their ratification process. And I've done a f- fair bit of work with a couple of other communities in the Sahtu, which is in that same region. It's uh, up a- around Great Bear Lake. Um, I find, and and happily so, I think like a lot of those organizations are actually trying to use more Indigenous consultants, which I I think is great. I still do, I still do get called upon to do some work, but it's more often facilitating for a client who's working with an Indigenous government. So for example, I do a lot of work for the Giant Mine, uh, which is a major, major um, mine cleanup here. So there was an, an, the Giant Mine is an old abandoned what mm-hmm. mine that went into bankruptcy, um, but it's got a quite a toxic kind of underground legacy of arsenic trioxide. And so it's a major, yes. major mine cleanup. And so I work for the project as a consultant doing public engagement, but we do a lot of work with the local Yellowknives Knives Denny First Nations. So I don't work for them. I facilitate meetings yeah. for the project, but they're mostly to get input and feedback from the indigenous yeah. groups. So I do more of that now. I do a lot of work with okay. different departments of the government of the Northwest Territories and a lot of work lately with indigenous uh, sorry, with local not-for-profits. So I do work for the Community Foundation, the Yellowknife Community Foundation, the Yellowknife um oh, sorry, the Northwest Territory Territories uh no, the Yellowknife Women's Association Society, pardon me. They're changing their name soon, but Yellowknife Women's Society. Um I I do work for um the NWT Producer Media Producers Association, things like that. So, you know, not-for-profits. Uh, yep. Yeah, but a lot of government work now, I must say,
1: yeah. Okay. Ha- has um, your work ever had the opportunity to bring you to Enterprise?
0: Well, I drive through Enterprise all the time. Uh, I used, anyway, we'll see. Yeah, so we drive quite a lot to leave. So it's 16 hours from Yellowknife to Edmonton. And we've made that okay. trip many, many, many times. So anyone who drives in or out of the territory, you drive through Enterprise. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I have okay. not, but I didn't drive. I haven't driven by since the fire, so I don't know. I've seen pictures. I th- I think it's pretty devastating. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen pictures yet. That's because uh, I was sort of wondering because I think uh, the last report I heard, I think there was twelve structures in the entire city that are just or town hamlets still remaining. There's nothing left but that. Yeah. I was just wondering if you you have maybe had some news about how things were going down there or not?
0: No, I mean, I don't, like I said, I've seen a few photos of people who have driven by and stuff. Um, I mean, enterprise is, um, is a very small place and it's mostly along the highway. So, um, so there wasn't that, I mean, it's a pretty small place. And so 12 structures is probably the vast majority of what was there. I mean, it's a pretty small little, um, kind of community along the highway. So I'd imagine there's not much left. Yeah. It's really quite sad.
2: Yeah. Jeez. Correct me if I'm wrong uh, cuz I I remember reading something about the giant mine a few years ago where I believe there's enough arsenic trioxide there to kill every living thing on earth 100 times over. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually correct, but it is pretty toxic. I mean, I think yeah. I think anything over killing everybody once would probably be over.
2: <laughs> yeah, I but think
0: I that's think that's enough. right. They, they, it, it is Overachievers, very, I, and I and I've heard. I'm just I'm not sure if that was the exact equation that was put forward. But I mean, arsenic trioxide. The problem with it is it's highly soluble, so it's a dust, mm-hmm. and it's all encased underground, mostly mm-hmm. yep. anyway. But it is very soluble. So if the mine was to flood, and it, uh, the water was to get out of the mine, then that's I mean, the biggest danger is that it would kill Great Slave Lake, right? That's really the yep. the main uh mm-hmm. danger. Um yeah. If it was somehow airborne, but I that that would be highly unlikely. The the most risky thing as far as I understand is that the mine would flood and the arsenic trioxide would dissolve into the would dissolve into the water. And that's really Delicious. very that would be that would be the end of life in that lake. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. It was something like 325,000 cubic meters of contaminated soil. Yeah. Uh, and I know there's a ton of fibrous asbestos as well. I remember reading this, this report on this a few years back, and I, it was one of those things that I should bookmark that.
0: And didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so,
2: trying to find it again, but the, the way they described it was like the problem there is bigger than anyone cares to talk about. It's a massive issue.
0: It is and like you said. If
2: it became soluble, um, yeah, that's it. Say good, say goodbye to that part of the world. Yeah, it will be uninhabitable.
0: Now to be now to be fair, like the project, so that problem was obviously created by the former owners. Long story. Mm-hmm. Federal government has now inherited, but they've spent, I believe, the latest price tag is four billion dollars. They will be spending four billion dollars cleaning it up. Not cleaning it up because some things will have to be left in place, but mm-hmm. certainly remediating it. Um, so there's an enormous amount of work going on on site. And what's interesting, I, some interesting. So there's a lot of, it's a huge site. There's a lot of equipment, a lot of companies working there. And during the fires, to protect for the from the fires, the mine actually uh, 30, 32, I think, 26, Anyway, water cannons and, and some of the piping and hosing was actually removed from the site that they used for dust suppression and it was used all along the, the defense line. And so the, the project kind of basically helped out, right? So they provided equipment okay. and, um, and a lot of the equipment that was on site has been taken off site to, to uh, create the fire breaks and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, in a small way, the community has benefited from that work going on that way. And it's also obviously bringing in quite a bit of money into the community as a project. So, um, you know, I think, it is an awful legacy I there's no doubt about that, but I think the project itself has a lot of has a lot of positive um, things happening, right which I think you know it still doesn't make it better but it um, it certainly creates um, a more positive path forward you know
1: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Um, from where we're watching down here, uh, it seems like the premier Carolyn Cochrane, uh, is doing a pretty amazing job handling things and uh, advocating for the community, uh, particularly with uh, the federal government. And uh, she's kind of upset at uh, the lack of infrastructure and how things have been neglected, which made evacuation harder and made the um, reentry plan, because it was a five phase reentry plan that's currently on pause for well- Yellowknife at the moment um, because the weather has switched a little bit. Um, is there do you have your ear to the ground at all about uh, what people in the in the territory are thinking about uh, the premier and how she's doing? Hmm.
0: Um I don't I can't speak to what other people are thinking I would I would respectfully disagree with my premier. <laughs> um, okay. I mean of course everyone needs more money from the federal government like I of course there's never enough money to go around and I would never argue that we have enough resources. Um, but i would say that it's important for us to remember that virtually every everything in the northwest territories is currently funded by federal by canadian taxpayers so 75% of all infrastructure as far as i understand is paid for by the federal government and we get a direct transfer grant which is a the 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 federal uh, it's the, ter- the territorial federal transfer it's a direct grant I think it's now $43,000 per person, no strings attached. So I understand it's not enough, but I feel that it is a bit of an easy thing to just stand up when things are going badly and blame the federal government. I think that as a territory and as a territorial government, I think most of our residents would say that we have some work to do as a, um, I think we have some work to do. And I think that, I think that um, I don't believe that, and I would think most people would agree with me on this, we were not nearly as prepared as we thought we were. And some of the things that are happening have nothing to do with the federal government. They have to do with a recognition that this is not, um, that the level of preparedness for an emergency that we knew was probably coming is not what people had thought. Maybe they didn't realize. I think there's a lot of good people who work in the GNWT and I certainly don't wanna uh, disparage anyone. But I think it's a bit cute to just blame the federal government. I think the territorial government has a lot of accountability and I don't, I didn't like the way my premier did that. I didn't think okay. that it was, a, I didn't think that it was a, I feel like it was, she felt under pressure and decided to relieve the pressure by pointing the finger at other people. And So that's okay. my opinion. Um, gotcha. That's not to say yep. that we don't need more investment in the Northwest Territories. Of course we do. But I, I think we receive an, a lot of Canadians' tax dollars, a lot here. And I think that before we talk about needing more, we also need to look at how we're spending what we have.
1: Okay. Of the things that did break down um, uh, in terms of responding to this emergency, are, are are there things that you were able to identify that well, could use some attention?
0: Yeah, I think, I, I mean, I'm a communicator by trade, so I would say that for me, that's the big one that I've noticed. I, I feel that there has been a lot of rather confusing um, communication. Um, and I understand probably why, and I'm not suggesting I would do better. I think it's a pretty tough situation they're in, but I do feel that they've created a fair bit of confusion in terms of the manner in which like two days before evacuation, they were doing local evacuations of certain communities and saying there was no need to evacuate the city. And then two days later, we all had to leave. So right. somewhere right. in there, something didn't work. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think now with the, you know, we're going to have people back. No, we're not going to have people back. No, we're pausing. No, we're starting. Like, I think people are like, hmm. <laughs> and I know it's cause they're anxious to give people good news, but I, I think yeah. something in there needs some thinking. Um, I think beyond that, you know, I think a n- number of things uh, happened when the evacuation did occur that were maybe not thought of in advance. So people okay. were to no, they're identifying essential people who should have stayed behind, I don't think it was done nearly thoroughly enough. And so I think in the end that left gaps in the community that people weren't aware of until it was too late. Okay. Had, like For example, if I'm not mistaken, our 911 operators left.
1: Oh really? Oh, okay. So yeah, you might need a few of them around.
0: Yeah. So I know mean, that may be just hearsay, but I know that on day two when I was volunteering, I was told that we couldn't use nine one one if there was something we were to use. We have another number we can use. It goes direct to the. I think it goes to the fire hall. Um. But that's kind of like you know, hmm, how did that happen? You know, so little things like that that. And I think they ended up reestablishing a call center in Grand Prairie. And I think nine one one was reestablished. It's not, you know, but I do think there's a bit of, um, there are some things, I think that the reality of evacuating, um, maybe wasn't played out in a tabletop exercise or like, you know, and so when things started happening, I think some of the independent, the pieces that were interdependent were maybe not thought of. I don't know. I think there's some, yeah, the, I think the complexity of what took place maybe had lacked a bit of uh, the awareness, I think. But that's from the yeah. outside, and Lord knows what they were dealing with. So I try to be a bit cautious about that.
1: Yeah. 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 Well, I can see that. I mean, if you have a territory that that's, that's that large. Uh, and you're evacuating about 68 percent of the people out of it, even if most of them are coming from one area. If you only have one road out, and and the you're fire's near aer- the road, aer- and that
0: was one of the challenges, right? They had to yes. evacuate people while mm-hmm. the road was available. I think they started to realize the road was actually in more jeopardy than they realized. I mean, I- you know, I'm assuming I have no intel into the GWT and what was happening at all. I volunteered mm-hmm. for the city and not even directly into for the city, but for the contractors who were building the, the fire breaks. So I have no inside knowledge. I just, I can only observe a few things. Um, but I, again, I try to be a bit cautious because I have no idea what people were dealing with and I can't imagine the stress levels yeah. they were dealing with as well. So, you know, oh, yeah. yeah it's certainly not to be critical but I, I hope that the outcome of this is reassessing some of the assumptions that our emergency planning is probably based on.
1: Mm. Mm-hmm. I can see that yeah that would be useful yeah that, that would be useful in general it would have been useful for the pandemic too I don't know if that exercise yeah, is being yeah, done.
0: Yeah and I think some of the things they're doing probably are improved by the fact that they did learn a lot through the pandemic I'm sure certainly that phased return approach looks very much like the way they came out of the pandemic it's very very similar uh, messaging very similar approach um so i think that's probably something they took away from that okay yeah
2: hmm. interesting do you have anything paul yeah well just uh... Sorry, I, I found the article. Oh, did you? From years <laughs> ago. There you go. I found it, yeah. Uh, it was uh, from 2014 from Global News, and it was featured on their program called 16 by 9. It says um, there's 237,000 tons of arsenic trioxide stored underground. There's probably enough to un- underground to kill every person on the planet a couple times over. Yeah. It's 0. 0.1 of a gram. So less, 0. 0.1. Yeah. So like 100 milligrams is enough to kill a human being. And there's 237,000 tons. So yeah, yeah. It, it's a really big problem, yeah. a really big problem. Now, they it turns out they extracted about $2.7 billion worth of gold from the mine. But it's going to cost, uh, well, they've already spent $900 million plus, and there's more to come. So the, the way they want to remediate it is they're going to freeze everything underground. But they're not going to spray it with water. What they do is they bring in pipes and do it like they would a hockey rink, to keep it frozen and in place. The concern about the wildfires was what if water used to put out some of the fires gets into that, and then it gets into the, the containment storage facility, which is just mm-hmm. a mine underground, and then becomes, like you said, soluble and into the local water supply. It'll kill everything. Yeah.
0: However, the reason that won't happen is because they're still running water pumps. So mines don't flood Mm. because they have massive pumps that collect all the water and treat it. And so just so people aren't too afraid, one of Mm -hmm. the reasons that all this is being done is that over time, they have to adjust the pumping. But right now, every single, any water that gets into that mine in any way is collected and treated. And it's treated, uh, it's treated... Uh, the new water plant they're building will treat the water to um, arsenic levels that are allowed uh, that are uh, allowed uh, for drinking water so it will be okay. a very, very high bar. it's not that right now because it's an older water treatment plant mm-hmm. it's still it's still quite, um, it's quite a process. They treat it for arsenic trucks. They treat it for arsenic, and it is it is treated. So they collect all the water on site, um, uh, all the water in the mine. Sorry, the mine pool is pumped and treated. So we are. I mean, it's all very. Uh, it's a big process, and it costs a lot of money. But that's what's mm-hmm. happening right now. But I agree with you. They can't get into the lake, and that's the the main main uh because they are not removing it because that would be also very very dangerous because then you're creating all kinds of opportunity for it to be released and so they are you described Mm -hmm. it really well paul Uh, um they're basically building a great big frozen block shell around the -hmm. the the two or sorry the i think i can't remember how many chambers there are that have some in it
2: 11 i think
0: yeah yeah so
2: as the sorry
1: go ahead please no that was all Oh, uh, but if they're trying to freeze it and keep underground as the temperatures are getting warmer and warmer, is. Oh,
2: that... no, they're, they're, they put in it pipes. Yeah, oh, right there's a hockey rink. So, so
1: cooling pipes to keep it from. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah, okay, good. Okay. So, so think bad. of
2: it as a giant rink.
1: Okay. Yeah, because the temperatures were hidden above mm. 30. And yeah. we've been hearing in BC that since the ground was so dry and the fire was actually burning like x number of feet underground burning the root system and whatnot i was just wondering if it gets that hot even underground and fires can burn yeah
0: no it's anybody
1: factored into keeping keeping that cool if
2: well the deeper you go the warmer it gets to begin with right yeah as well so yeah they're they're, they're, this is being i don't i don't i'm not trying to panic anybody okay this is being taken very very seriously Mm -hmm. because it is serious it's just unfortunate that, you know, that the company that uh, started the mine did all this damage and then walked away from it mm-hmm. effectively.
0: Yeah. There's actually <laughs> there's, the, there's there's a, a movie about it. Yeah.
2: Yes. yes. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's just called Johnny.
2: Oh, okay.
0: I think so. I can't remember now, but it's a documentary. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, there's an article in The Walrus from May 2022. said, arsenic and gold, my family's role in the poisonous legacy of giant mine. Could my grandfather have done more to stop the dangerous dust that spewed from the mine for decades?
0: I'm sure many Uh, people ask. It's The Walrus? Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. Thewalrus.ca backslash giant hyphen mine for anybody interested.
1: Giant Mine TV. Is that it? Yeah. TV movie 1996. Yeah, that's -hmm. probably it. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, describe CBC's dramatic account of the tragedy of Yellowknife's giant mine in which nine miners were killed during a bitter labor dispute.
0: Oh, yes, that's right. And there was also, that's right. So there's a whole other part, which oh. is there was an explosion set off. Yeah. This was when the mine was still operating by a, disgr- um, a disgruntled uh, mine Employee. worker. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, giant I mine was
2: basically what built Yellowknife as well,
0: right? Certainly, it was a big, yeah, giant mine. There's also another mine called Con Mine. Different processing of the ore, but yeah, Yep. Yeah, there was a lot of course. gold mining here. Yeah,
2: and and now it's now it's all uh, diamond mines, diamond. right? Diamonds,
0: not quite in Yellowknife. They're a little. They're in a different, slightly yeah, different area, but yeah, yeah, lot, yeah. Everything gets a mine, processed a lot of money through. into the territory for sure.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. This is going to sound totally random. I'm looking at the IMDB stuff, and it's like Peter Outer Outerbridge is in it, Alberta Watson's in it, but so is Scott Speedman. Really? Yes. He apparently had a small role in that.
2: Wow. Well, I'll have to check when that out. You? I, I, did, I, I remember reading about the film. I've just never seen it. I'll have to check that out. And one of the things I do want to do before uh, before I shuffle off this mortal coil is make my way up there uh, in the summertime to To have a visit and get to meet you in person, of course, but also because I've wanted that's the the only part of Canada I've not explored yet is is the most weird. northern part. And I used to live in Cold Lake, so you know I've been somewhat north, but not not real. Cold Lake is south when you live in Yellowknife. Yeah,
0: right? I don't know, it's yeah. pretty far north.
2: <laughs> it is, it is, but. You know what I'm saying? I haven't been to the Yukon, and I haven't been. I want to go to Whitehorse. I want to go to Yellowknife. I'd like to go to to Inuvik, uh, Iqaluit. These are all places I want to see. uh, And hopefully I'll get to do it someday. But it's so expensive to travel Yeah, it is expensive. Mm
0: -hmm. If you keep an eye out, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, anyway, as we do. We keep our eye on the seat sales, that's for sure. Mm -hmm.
1: When I got to go, it was June 22nd. Oh, Nice the day after, day uh, and it, it happened to be Pride in Yellowknife when I was there, uh, Now we're talking about 20 years ago, so I'm not sure if Pride has gotten better or, or bigger, uh, but when I was there, uh, Pride was uh, cake in front of the post office at noon, uh, free community swim uh, for everyone, yeah. and then there was a silent auction and dance and uh, potluck at uh, the ski lodge. Where the mosquitoes we were dancing with were bigger than some of the people.
0: Yep, that sounds about right. I don't know if it's changed that much. It's <laughs> quite a big event. Yeah, we have a great, uh, we have a great uh, kind of pride community, and it's a really wonderful mix of people in Yellowknife. I have to say. I'm walking over. My actually, my son's match has started, <laughs> so I'm walking Whoa. over to the field. Oh, okay. I get him. To, I get to see him play only two or three times a year, so.
1: Go, Roxanne, son. Go, oh, yeah. yeah. Man, man. Go,
2: go, go. Check that matchup. Sure well.
1: Position he plays, but score some goals or defend some goals or make some great passes or whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can tell soccer is my sport. Oh, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not. all
0: right. It's not many Canadian sport
2: No, go
1: kick that volley thing. <laughs>
2: All right, we'll let you go, Roxanne. Thank you for your time. Really do appreciate it because I know that uh, you are in the UK right now, so this has probably cost you an arm and a leg in, in data, <laughs> uh, I have no doubt. So uh, thank it's you for the time. That was great talking to you guys. That was great talking with you. Yes, and we'll we'll, we'll have you back sometime when uh, when you get when you get back to Canada and you get settled back in at home. Maybe we can have a chat with you to to uh, see you know get us a report on on how things are in Yellowknife. You can be our you can be our northern uh, our northern. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, Thank you. Correspondent.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I would love to do that. I would love it.
2: Okay. We'll make it happen. We'll make it happen. There's elections coming too. Yes, there is. There's elections coming. That's right. Yeah. Okay. We're going to let you go. They're
0: going to be delayed because of the fires though. Oh,
2: yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, They've already announced they'll be delayed. I don't know if they've set a date yet.
1: Yeah. um, November 8th, I
0: think. Oh, there you go. You're better on the news than I am. See, I've not been paying enough attention.
2: All right. Well, you pay attention to, th- to that match for your young man there and uh, we'll talk to you when you get back. Take care. Oh,
0: lovely. Thanks for thank coming you by. so much, gentlemen. Thanks for your interest you're in the Northwest Territories. I love it.
2: Oh, well,
1: thank you. Thank you so much, Roxanne. Have a wonderful trip while you're there and uh, a rest. I hope that your mind is somewhat at rest given all the, the mm. turmoil.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I know. The, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to focus on all the good things. There are lots of good things. So.
2: Indeed. Indeed.
0: Okay. okay bye care. now.
2: Thank Bye-bye. You so
1: And a gentle correction on myself, uh, the election will be uh, November 14th, 14th. not the 8th, Okay, 14th in the Northwest Territory. So, um, yeah, it's a six-week delay brought about by the wildfires, uh, forcing the evacuation of multiple communities, of course. Uh, As we mentioned on the show earlier today on Friday, there's 22 communities in the Northwest Territories that don't have a road Mm -hmm. out, and there are 33 communities, so that's... uh, And now we got an overwhelming majority of them.
2: Convoy of ignorance heading up there. You can't tell me I can't drive up.
1: Just watch them, they'll tell you. Um, So the new date was decided by MLAs on Monday. Uh, they unanimously passed the legislation moving the election from the 3rd to November 14th. Uh, quote The writs will be issued on Monday, October 16th, officially opening the nomination period at 10 a.m. on that day and extending it to the following, following Friday, October 20th. A statement issued by Elections Northwest Territories on Monday read. Mm-hmm. Frame Lake MLA Kevin O'Reilly, who said he doesn't plan to run in the upcoming election, said it was not possible to hold fair elections given around 70% of the territory's population are currently affected by evacuation. Quote, I don't want the election prolonged any longer than necessary, he said, also raising concerns that the territory's wildfire season could continue into October. Territorial elections don't involve political parties. There are 19 districts and successfully elected candidates then choose a premier and cabinet from among their number, and they use a consensus-based model. Uh, to run the government there. Had MLAs not agreed to delay the election, a staggered election running for up to three months could have taken place to work around the issues of some of the districts being hit by wildfires, but they decided to delay the, the whole thing in that case rather than doing staggering. And uh, that's from uh, cabinradio.ca. And if you want to uh, to get a, a little plug into what's going on to the NWT, that uh, will let you do. And uh, the journalist there, we're going to give some props there. His mm-hmm. name is Ollie Williams. Cool because I'm sure that uh, journalists from uh, up there don't get a lot of uh, national exposure on no. uh, props. So uh, thank you for that coverage, sir. Indeed. Really appreciate Indeed. it. Yeah. And uh, Emily Blake contributed reporting to the, the article as well. So, uh, yes, quality journalism. Thank you very much. We need more of it. Indeed. Um, yeah, that's uh, an incredible discussion. Um, she seems to be relatively calm and poised, considering... Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a lot of stuff going on. That's a lot of upheaval. And especially when you're, I mean, you're not even at home, but, you know, they had plans to be uh, across the ocean, right. When all this happened. So, um, yeah, um, it's, uh, like you said, you haven't been through anything like that. I've never been anything through like that. The worst natural disaster I've been through was the ice storm. Um, and we didn't, where I was staying, we didn't even lose power. So, um, I, I can't even begin to imagine. Mm-hmm. I can't even begin to imagine. Uh, but our thoughts are definitely less cold comfort as it is. Uh, th- our thoughts are with you and we're, we're hoping that, uh, um, by bringing you some information, uh, we can help uh, this go a little smoother.
2: A little bit. There's not a lot we can do from here, you know, but we'll we'll try and try and do what we can.
1: Yeah. Well, that's it, right? If you're limited, you do what you can Mm -hmm. and hope that that's enough. Uh, Mr. Grizzly, do we have a show? We do indeed, sir. All right, kids. That's the end of this episode of the daily beaver podcast. We hope that you love listening to us because we love making this for you. We really do. Remember that sharing is caring and word of mouth is priceless. So let your peeps and your poops know about us because democracy is something that you do. um, First of all, if you're in Ontario, buy membership to the Ontario Liberal Leadership Race and make sure that a candidate that is not beholden to developers uh, and that can defeat Doug Ford uh, will win. Uh, please write to your media, your senators, your IPs, uh write about Any of the things that you want going on, better media attention to stuff, uh, the government to go harder at uh, the conservatives to find out what their association with Mike Roman is. uh, Or uh, if you want to uh, let your MP or your MPPs or your MLAs know that you are concerned about what's going on in the North Mm -hmm. and that you want full support from your elective officials to make sure that the North gets what it deserves and what it needs in order to get back on uh, foot, that this is a priority for you and that it's a voting issue. Um, please let them know if you like this podcast. You can find us on the Crier Media Network as well as all beaver grizzly friendly platforms. Stars and reviews are greatly appreciated, so please be generous. I was trying to mix both of those words, called say, mm. they're they're greatly gratiated or something. Um, we love to hear from you, so reach us on our Facebook at True North Eager Beaver, our Twitter feed at True Eager, or by email at True North Eager Beaver at gmail.com. Or you can subscribe to us via the pod page, sponsored by the Rail Girl, at podpagecom the True North Eager Beaver. That's lowercase letters with a hyphen between each one of those words. And we will come to you straight as soon as we have something off the bandwidth for you. And if you get that squiggly right under my chin there, that's the QR code if you're. Watching with your cell phone, and uh, you can do a little scan on that to, uh, to subscribe. And since you're already subscribing, well, why not make like Elaine and uh, subscribe to our True North Eager Beaver Media Incorporated YouTube channel? That helps us out big time. There's three buttons for you to smash with there like, subscribe, and share. So uh, please uh, hit all three and uh, get the word out. And thank you so much for that. Um, our YouTube subscribers uh, have gone up a, a lot over the last month. So, um, Really, 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 really appreciate it. We can't do this without your kind and generous support. So if you feel that we've done a particularly good show, if we're kicking off the month well for you, if you're watching, you can scan the QR code on the top left, right by Mr. Grizzly's head. Or if you are listening, you can use your voice command or your fingers to go to coffee. That's spelt coffee, ko-fi.com slash Beaver lowercase letters all in one word and that's where you can make your donation to the eager beaver lodge emergency hydration fund we need staff we just do yep
2: no yep. We follow need that money. finger we need money.
1: <laughs> follow that finger that mr grizzly's putting up there we need money i like gourd <laughs> <laughs>
2: i gotta pay for this shit man
1: it's expensive what can i tell you <laughs> I'm still sitting here shaking my money maker. Mm, There you go. Want some of this? Huh? Huh? And Because this is Monday,
2: because this is Monday, I'll be stopping in to see you on the way back home to get you set up with your new gear.
1: Yes. It's right, right, right here. Waiting for you. I'll
2: get you all set up Uh, on
1: Monday. Cool. From the beaver lodge. This is your eager beaver saying until next time, dear kids, it can be a tough world out there. So please be kind to and gentle with yourself and uh, send some good energy up north while you're at it. Mr. uh some words of wisdom. I see you put up the SMR here for mental health because this will be airing on Monday. Uh, Monday
2: evening, nine thirty PM Eastern Daylight Time. We we don't go to Eastern Standard Time until what November.
1: <laughs> I think so. <laughs> yes, yeah, right? November.
2: It's, 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 much it's much pushed back two weeks after Halloween. Uh, so yeah, if you uh, if you need to talk about your mental health and how your head is feeling, uh, or if you just want to join in. And and read the chat and listen to what I have to say in a soft soothing voice. Please jump on in at nine thirty p.m. at my uh, ASMR channel. You can scan that uh, QR code on the screen with your phone, or you can jump into Polly's World. Uh, What is my YouTube address? Maybe I should look that up. Yeah, what is is it? Uh, Hang on, let me let me find it out here because I can never remember. I just (laughs) we do this all the time. I click on it. It's there. I don't know what it is. It's just you know. It's like your own phone number, right? Yeah, 867. No, that's not it. That's not it. Uh.
1: <laughs> PO11358309.
2: <laughs> Whatever Trump's number is. <laughs> hey, uh, let's, see, let's see. I'm just trying to get it up here because I cannot remember for the life of me what it actually is. Uh, let's see here. I'll just go on there where it says your videos. So it'll bring me to my channel so I can actually see what the address is because I honestly do don't remember. Which is pathetic. I can be pathetic sometimes. i I think it's allowed. Is that's allowed? Is it allowed to be pathetic? When you're right? It's allowed. It's allowed. I'll allow it. I don't know. P O one one three. Okay. Thank you very much. 5- I can 5- just 5- see. I'll go here with P- share. That is the? Where's the? Where's the share button? I don't see the share button. Well, you know what I'll do here. Uh, it's uh, Polly's World at Polly's World two thousand and five. So that's my YouTube channel. Yeah, you can you can go there. You can find it. That'll be my ASMR YouTube channel where you can uh, listen to me talk about mental health issues, and uh, I do it in a soft soothing voice.
1: Mm-hmm. From the Beaver Lodge, this is your eager beaver say. Until next time, dear kids. Be kind too and gentle with yourself.
2: Mr. Grizzly, words of wisdom? That, that was it. Tune in tonight, 9.30. The words of wisdom mm-hmm. is your
1: joke. Okay, I thought that was just a promo. No, was no. It was, a, another
2: crack it was a, a promo, but for actual words of wisdom, if you're having a difficult time with your mental health, All right. surf on in and I'll, I'll do my best to, uh, to try and calm and soothe you. So the words of wisdom was a shameless
1: self-promotion.
2: <sighs> but it'll help you. <laughs> it'll help you. All right.
1: Mr. Grizzly, roll them credits please you are listening to a true north eager beaver media podcast the true north eager beaver podcasts are proudly brought to you by our founding sponsors the miss v mysteries from corvid moon publishing your source for science fiction fantasy and cozy mysteries featuring a broad diversity of characters CanadianTarot.com, your uniquely Canadian online eclectic tarot community and forum, and The Pepper Master, hot pepper sauces made from fresh farm ingredients to thrill your taste buds and expand your mind. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll make sure to get right on that. Okay. Thank you. All right. Uh, that was the boss, uh, Alistair McBear uh, calling from the Ottawa oh. Beaver Lodge, uh, was very, uh, not happy with the lack of polar bear content. <laughs> <laughs> hey, The boss wants representation. (laughs) We we speak about all kinds of bears on this show, but we didn't provide any polar bears, and he was really looking for it on an NWT show. So it seems that we are going to get a reprimand.
2: All right, good to know. (laughs) Good to know. All right, I'll see (laughs) you.